Hello, I am Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Male Plus. I am joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Coming up on today's show, a Harry Potter reunion without J.K. Rowling. That's just madness. It is. We will hear from a transgender campaigner. Adele, Adele, Adele has been flooding the media to promote her album, but is it worth the hype? And our favourite astrologer, Teresa Chung, will give us a peek at what she sees in her crystal ball for Ghislaine Maxwell. But first... Keir Starmer is calling out, I say that in inverted commas, <laughs> Stanley Johnson. Apparently he, uh, he touched a lady's bottom about 20 years ago. So that's terrible. And he has to now be investigated. I mean... What a waste of time and money. What a waste of time. I have to say, I've had so many emails from readers saying... <laughs> One lady who's about 84 sent me a, a long list of mm. all the people who had ever patted her bottom. And it was quite a long list. <laughs> and she said, am I going to make a fuss about it? No. I just, I just told them where to go. Uh, gave him a bit of a. He, she said, "It's amazing, you know, the the pain you can inflict with a sharp jab of a heel." Yes, or just, or, just or, or just a, a huge finger. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or just you know, lifting or, up their hand and saying, "I'm sorry, has someone lost their hand?" Yes, and it's just. I just think this whole sort of. I mean, it's not a big infraction, is it? What What I find very irritating about it is that it makes women into victims. Yes. So, so your poor little you, somebody's touched your bum yes. twenty years ago, and you're traumatized by it. I have no idea why, how, how sort of eventless the rest of your life has been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the idea I can remember anything that happened to me twenty years no, ago. No, quite. I mean, the other thing is, and also, it it is quite rude to people who are victims of genuine sexual assault. I totally agree, um, yes. To sort of try and sort of, you know, bigify your... And of course, it's only it's only out there because of who he is. And because they're trying to sort of create a narrative. And the thing is, we know that the Johnsons are old goats. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's really not news. <laughs> no. I mean, Johnson men like a lady. Yes. Not a headline. But but also, I just, I just think, also 20 years ago, I mean, you and I grew up in journalism. Yes. And... There's a big difference between attitudes then and attitudes now. Totally. I mean, I do remember being uh, being told to go and uh, an old editor who's no longer with us, sadly, uh, who actually became a very good friend of mine in the end, asked me to go and fill his fridge for oh. him with vodka jellies that were going to be photographed at the picture desk. So I do remember just walking in and saying, well, if you want to see my pants, you can see my pants, you idiot. <laughs> yes, because the, fr- the fridge was very low down It was on the very floor. low down. I remember bending down like a sort of Benny Hill character, just thinking, honestly, you're pathetic. Yeah, Really? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I mean, we, I mean, I, you know, I was, I, I've had people try to snog me at office parties. I mean, pathetic. this is a very long time ago, me, admittedly. But, <laughs> yeah, and I just, I, you just tell them where to get off. Of course I mean, you that do. Is, it's not sexual harassment. It's just bad manners yes. and overstepping a line and and you have to be able to deal with that and also i thought that i thought stanley's joke was quite funny I thought, what was and he his slapped joke? he slapped her on the bottom and said because she was an mp caroline oh, Dake, so she as she was looking and she he slapped her on the bottom and said well you've got a wonderful seat here haven't you <laughs> i'm sorry i did think it was quite a funny joke <laughs> he's such an old fool isn't he he's such an old fool <laughs> anyway i don't know i don't think it's worth well i certainly don't think it's worth i can't believe the, she remembered that who knows? Mm. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's worth the time of Parliament, or and certainly not the time of the leader of the opposition. No, or, and certainly not wasting the police time. No, or any of that stuff. Money. I mean, they've got quite a lot of stuff on their plate. But I just think Keir Starmer wading in and trying to score a stupid oh. political point so boring. I know, and it also Stanley Johnson isn't anybody anyway. No, he's no one. No one cares. Yeah, literally. Anyway, on to more important things. Actually, mm. uh, which is that J.K. Rowling, who we may remember wrote Harry Potter. 
(laughs) has been excluded from a Harry Potter reunion on account of because of things that she said about I don't know, women being women or something. I find the whole thing extraordinary that all these people have made all this money and become famous and have careers entirely predicated on the fact that J.K. Rowling sat in her shitty bedsit a thousand years ago and wrote Harry Potter, which was rejected by hundreds of publishers. And, you know, the hard work and the effort that she's put in and then, you know, just because of her opinion, which she's entitled to have, mm-hmm. people have decided that, you know, she's not she's not allowed to go to her own party. I know. I mean, it really is actually ridiculous. I mean, I mean, all these actors would not have a life. Would, I mean, they're not very talented. I mean, Daniel, uh, what's he called? Radcliffe. Radcliffe. What's he done? Yeah, well, yeah. being, yes. I mean, apart from being Harry Potter, really nothing, mm. actually. And they're set for life. Mm. And it's just so that they can virtue signal to Twitter, yes. basically. yeah. And so that, they're so scared of, of the sort of backlash if they stand up for her and say, well, actually, you know, we know her. She's not a transphobe. She's, nice. she's a perfectly nice woman. She just happens to have this opinion. You know, I, I can't remember what she said. I think she just said something like... She said that she didn't want, in case of domestic abuse mm. in a refuge, mm. that she didn't want men who identify as women yeah. allowed into a refuge where people are sheltering from domestic exactly. abuse. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That so she's the... she's just got that. So so it's you know, and she's been called a turf and all trans exclusionary radical feminist. That's the one. Yeah. But you know, it's it's not a particularly. Oh, it's, it's certainly not an. I don't think it's a transphobic view. It's just a sort of protecting women view. No, and there I, is a big debate around all of this. And but the idea that they're such cowards that they can't stand up for the person who sort of made them. I know who but they are. But it, it's wrong with it, people. I know. I know. I mean, even the spokesman for Stonewall mm. uh, today. I was listening to her today on the radio. Mm. Said said she's entitled to her opinion. Exactly. Um, so I don't really see. I think it's just they're all bloody spineless. Yeah, they absolutely are. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to have. Um, we're actually going to have someone coming to join us to talk about this Good. Debbie Hayton who is a trans woman great a teacher and a transgender campaigner and she is going to join us now Good. so thank you for joining us we're, Imogen and I are just talking about this thing with JK Rowling not being invited to her own party and we just thought we'd, we'd get your view on it well I think it's appalling she's the reason that they're there exactly that's what you we know, think it's, <laughs> it's like uh, bringing back the uh, the cast of a Shakespeare performance uh, without bringing back Shakespeare himself <laughs> who wrote the damn thing <laughs> but I mean as a, as a transgender uh, teacher journalist are you offended by the things that J.K. Rowling has said do you think that she should be sort of stripped of all of her ostracised uh, yes exactly put in the put in no. the jail no, and uh, you see, J.K. Rowling has said nothing out of order. Mm. And it goes back to that essay which she published last summer, mm. which is one of the most heartfelt pieces of writing I've read. It's, there's nothing in that piece of writing which is transphobic or anti-trans. It's simply just uh, an expression of her concerns for women's rights, which mm. are concerns that I share. You know, I have a wife and daughter and I share her concerns. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But also it's, it's important to have a dialogue. If you don't have a dialogue, then prejudices carry on. If people mm. can't talk about things, then, you know, we all may as well just give up and go home. 
Yeah, the the problem the problem is it's that uh, we're not discussing ideas. We're mm. deciding which ideas we're even allowed to uh, articulate, right? Exactly. And that's dangerous because it puts power the the, the power it puts power into the hands of those people who can decide which which yeah. arguments you're allowed to make. Mm. Yes, I mean the thing is it's 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 an important conversation to have. I mean everybody needs to have the conversation because then people can understand each other better, mm. and we can make sure that you know we move forward in a way that's constructive and mm. and that works. For everybody and if all you ever get is shouted at when you when you try to raise these things it's it's very demoralizing and i think a lot of women particularly feel like that yeah it's the intimidation isn't it if mm. people feel that and it's not just that uh, women especially feel unable to speak out they feel guilty about what they might be thinking they'd like to speak out mm. and what we're talking about here are basic rights which were won uh, three generations ago mm. you know the, the rights to ago, single yeah. sex spaces the rights for women to organise as a sex mm -hmm. and to associate as a sex without anybody from the other sex deciding that since they have self-identified they're coming in too mm. and that's wrong mm. and, and it's not helping is, anybody well the thing is i think that most genuinely transgender people are completely you know totally fine and lovely that I, I mean I, I i have suffered from alopecia mm. so i go to a special hair salon for for for, 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 for ladies with no hair <laughs> and there are also some gentlemen there with yeah. no hair who 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 are you know who were gentlemen who are now ladies who yeah. are transgender and they want obviously nice hair nice hair yeah so you know we're all women in that place and mm. we have no problem with the transgender women coming in and having their hair no, done of course not. because they're charming and lovely yeah. and we just have lots of conversations about hair mm. which is obviously very interesting topic mm. I think the, the thing that um, people are worried about is and I think this is something that, that transgender people should be worried about is 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 people take sort of trying to pretend that they're them mm. in order to you know abuse or I mean it's a very worrying you know uh, area and, and it's and and you know there is a perception that if you're a a man in jail, if you say that you're transgender, you'll get put in a woman's jail and you'll have a nicer, easier time. Mm. And I think that's these are difficult conversations and difficult thoughts, as you say. But we do need to have them out in the open. Otherwise, of course, otherwise, there's just an entrenchment of everybody's prejudices. And it's really it's not good for anyone. No. Well, it is. I think you've highlighted the case there about uh, people taking advantage of this situation mm. exactly. for generations. Well, we all, all of us, uh, when we apply informal safeguard in society, we treat men and women differently. Mm. When my children were little, and if they got lost in a crowd, I always suggest them they should find a woman yeah. who will look after them. Now, as a man, I didn't find that offensive. I just thought that was sound common sense. Yeah. So when people transition... Uh, male to female, to use that terminology, mm. the safeguarding rules change. And it's a, it's a weakness in safeguarding mm. because if I'm not clocked in society, if people don't realise my history, people will treat me in the same way as a woman. Mm. And as such, I'll get safe, the informal safeguarding will be different. Mm. Now, that, that's a huge privilege mm. uh, to experience that. But if we don't imagine that that safeguarding weakness isn't going to attract the wrong sort of men, then we're being so naive. Mm. Exactly. It's beyond belief. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's, I think that's what uh, people like J.K. Rowling are worried about. Yeah. And I think it's a legitimate concern. But why, why do you think everyone's so terrified of uh, of backing someone like J.K.? The idea that um, 
you know, they're all so lily-livered and spineless that they haven't invited her to the party. Why do you think people are so... Is it virtue signalling or are they just frightened? Well, are they just... I think, I think, I think people, are, people are frightened. Right. Uh, also, people are always concerned about what other people might think about them. Mm. They've, seen, they've, seen the, uh, they've seen what J.K. Rowling suffered. They've seen what Kathleen Stock has suffered recently. Mm. They've seen the abuse which continually gets hurled at MPs such as Rosie Duffield. Mm. So they see this... And people don't want it, mm. so we'll avoid the issue. Mm. Even people who are sympathetic are keeping their mouths closed mm. because they're frightened of the reprisals. Now, I'm convinced if everybody who thought that J.K. Rowling's piece of writing was a superb piece of writing, mm. uh, it was excellent, heartfelt, and should be uh, promoted, if everybody who thought that said that, then this problem would evaporate. Mm. Yes. But we're in, a, we're in an emperor's new clothes uh, situation mm. when people aren't saying what they think. That's terrifying, but, though, isn't it? But sadly, some people have been saying what they think, and, uh, and we have been saying this, <laughs> and people are closing their ears. To, so it's even worse than the Emperor's New Clause because people have been pointing it out, but people have been sticking their fingers in, the, in their ears have and you, going, la, 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 I don't want to listen to this. Have you yourself had any... Pro- I mean, obviously, you, you, you know, you, you've, you've been quite vocal, but have you been attacked at all? I mean, I mean that would be the ultimate irony, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, have well, you? Well... There is there, there is a story which the Times ran uh, almost two years ago now, which uh, documented my troubles at the uh, at the TUC. Mm-hmm. I was a member of the TUC LGBT committee at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and uh, I was outspoken at the time. And I'd worn a T-shirt to another event, well away well away from there, which said "Trans women are men, get over it." I was making a political statement. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's, it's serious, actually. The, the Stonewall Trans Women Are Women t-shirt, get over it, is the message to the rest of society. Yes. My message actually is reflected in, if as trans women we accept the fact that uh, we're men who have transitioned, yeah. then uh, we're in a much better place. Yeah. And yeah. I'm in, I feel I'm in a much better place. So that's the message of my T-shirt, but it caused uh, it caused outrage, should we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it was quite a funny thing to do. No one has, has any sense of humour about no, these that's things. That's true. Yes. So, I mean, it's, you know, it is, it is, you know, life is not, doesn't have to be this grim and serious the whole time, does it? No. Yeah, but that, uh, no, you, you can't you can't joke about these things. Uh, uh, but oh, I think the no. thing is, I think joking and and comedy is one of the ways that we deal with difficult things. Of course, that we're really uncomfortable well, yeah, with. That's... You know, that's the whole. But, yeah, that is one of the functions of comedy is to sort A of satire, diffuse uh, diffuse yeah. the kind of tension. And now no one can make any jokes about anything. No, you're not ever. allowed to laugh. And anything. it's really quite difficult. I love you for yeah. your T-shirt, by the way. That's brilliant. <laughs> I think I quite fancy getting one myself. I, I, uh, I wrote recently about my experiences on the tube. It was at St. James's Metro Station. This woman in her 60s came up to me mm. and looked at me and squinted, and she said, are you one of them blokes? <laughs> so, so I replied. I said, I thought, what do you do with this? I said, why, yes, so I am. Mm-hmm. And she, she looked at me and I went to her side. She says, you're very convincing. I said, <laughs> Clearly not convincing enough. <laughs> Do you remember that? And... That's brilliant. Do you remember that brilliant episode of of, of uh, Miranda? There was a brilliant episode of Miranda where she's got to go to on a date or something, and she walks past a shop, and it's a it's a, it's a shop for drag queens for and, and she goes in, and there's this lovely man, and she, he gets a he dresses her up in a sort of ridiculous over the top sequin outfit, and and says and after after he says he stands back, he said, you know. 
you could really pass. And she has no idea. And it's because, of course, she's a big woman. Yes. And as a yeah. big woman myself, I, I've i always had size eight feet. So I've always, before now, I mean, it's easy to get size eight feet. But in the olden days, I used to have to go to that shop in Chilton Street where all the all the transgender ladies go for their shoes because they're all size Cause Nine, bigger, ten, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so I just, I always love that Miranda joke of her basically yeah. being called Sir the whole time. I used to get called Sir. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Because you, when people look at you from behind and you're quite well, a large tall, lady, yeah. and I used to have short hair, yeah. and I've got a man's hairline, mm. very low and sort of quite mm. straight. <laughs> I always used to get called Sir in, rest- in, wait- in restaurants. It used to drive me insane. <laughs> so I feel your pain. <laughs> But it's funny, isn't it? These things are funny. They're not. They're not designed. People don't mean to be horrible. No, no, no they don't. And no. for for every, I've I've suffered a handful of cases. What I would say were genuine abuse. Yeah. Mm. And it gen, the common factor tends to be group of groups of men and alcohol. Yeah. That's a oh, common factor. Absolutely. But apart from that, there's people make mistakes. People uh, people are sometimes inquisitive, like like the woman at mm. the at the tube station. People are inquisitive. But when I'm on the phone now, and uh, people serve me on the phone. I, I, I'm just not. I'm, I, I just can't get. I just can't get worked up about it. No. And and what you find is that people treat you with a bit more respect if they're stirring you on the phone. You know, <laughs> well, you know, it does say, have its advantages. And and I have to say, groups of men and alcohol are generally a bad thing for every, regardless for of who you are yes. or how you identify. I don't think yeah, they're ever mainly for them. For them exactly. as well. <laughs> um, anyway, well, that's been. I'm not. Let's hope that she gets the recognition she deserves. Yes. But thank you, Debbie. It's lovely talking okay. to you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. That was transgender campaigner, teacher and general super person, Debbie Hayton. So, despite only releasing three studio albums in a span of 11 years, Adele is one of the most successful female artists of all time, Imogen. Oh, goody gumdrops. Anyway, she's been everywhere this week, hasn't she? Really she really With has. her special acrylic talons. I know. And her incredibly sort of slightly mesmerising makeup. I know. It's le- yes. I mean, I'd love to know what it's what she yeah. looks like without it. No, I know. I can watch. Well, yeah, she she looks very pretty without it, but I don't know how she manages to get it so clean. That doesn't work on my face. Anyway, and then she did an interview with Oprah where they yeah. both dressed as angels in white I in know. a in a sort of power earthly white. paradise. A power white. That's a new thing. Power, power white. white. Yeah. I do think that the. Um, I mean, I do like Adele, but I have to say, I liked her when she was a kind of messy, North London girl pouring out her emotions into her songs and I'm slightly worried that she may have turned into a slightly plastic Hollywood diva. Or a bit, has she gone a bit Celine Dion? A bit Celine Dion, yeah. <laughs> That's my it's only tiny worry. Little less, it's not quite so much authenticity. No. Also, there's an awful lot of therapy speak. Mm. She was There was that whole thing where she was talking about how alcohol had stolen her father. No, he had No, no, alcohol hasn't stolen your father. Your father wanted to go to the pub instead of looking after his child. But alcohol is not a person. Alcohol cannot steal somebody. Yes. Anyway, the important thing is the music, isn't oh, it? Is so it, we're going though? to be joined by the lovely Adrian Thrills, who's going to talk to us about the album. Adrian, thank you for joining us. Is it any good? Pleasure. Um, I think it's a brilliant return, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, I take your point, I think she has lost a little bit of her, her old girl-next-door charm mm. and... Uh, you know, she she's kind of more West Hollywood than West Norwood, which is I think where she grew up after moving to Tottenham. And there's there is kind of there's a, li- a couple of lines on the album where she talks about 
owning her bad turns and you kind of cringe slightly at that. <laughs> but then when you get down to the music, mm. I think I think it's her best album yet. I oh, think really? there's she puts it all out there, all the heartache and guilt. But also mm. there's there's a kind of a richness and a kind of feeling that she's somehow she needed to make this album to somehow come through at the other end. Yeah. And there's some great songs. Um she works with some really top-notch producers and a couple of kind of unfamiliar names, a mm. Swedish guy called Ludwig Göransson and an R&B producer called Inflo, and yet she kind of bends them to her will. It doesn't sound like a producer's record. It sounds like an Adele album. It's, it's a very traditional record. Mm. It's brilliantly sung. It kind of reminds me a bit of, you know, Carol King's Tapestry in Places. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's, it's old-school songwriting um, coupled with, you know, what I want is probably still the best voice in pop. Um, yeah. Are there yeah. any are there any toe tappers? Or is it all power There balance? are. No. <laughs> well that's the big surprise actually. I went in expecting an album of Weepies and mm. um, I mean I had to go to a high security playback. We weren't allowed to take any music away mm. with us. Um, and I was thinking after three tracks, the first three tracks are big ballads and I was thinking this is another album of Weepies but then it suddenly shifts gear and you've got a, a kind of batch of really kind of good pacey, upbeat songs that kind of skip and float. There's mm. there's one called Can I Get It? Sounds a bit like Rolling in the Deep. Oh, um, no, she definitely, it, it's not all, it's not just a misery memoir. There's no. definitely something for everyone. Does, she write, her, does she write her own songs? Does she, does she, yes, does she, she collaborate does. with yeah, anyone? I think she's, she, she has co-writers. Every track mm. is, is co-written. But you, but she has a real a gift. I think she's got a gift mm. of even some of those lyrics, they sound a bit clunky. If you read them on the page, you'd think, you know, it, it is just, it's kind of therapy speak. When you hear her sing them, it just, it comes to light. And mm. there's there's lots of real kind of, you know, nuance and richness and colour. Mm. Real variety. There's a couple of really good jazz songs on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all builds to, uh, by the end of it, she's back with the power of ballads. It mm. ends with this uh, song called Love is a Game, which is just about seven minutes of... Uh, just old Hollywood grandeur and mm. it's kind of all that's missing is uh, a confetti gun, the kitchen sink <laughs> and um, some, some canned applause at the end. Can I just ask, why do, you think, where, why do you think they released the dirgy one first then? Because that's, I, you know, the... It's quite dirty, it's isn't dirgy. it? It's yeah. dirty. Uh, yes, you hear it on the radio and you think, oh God, really? I, mean, I think they didn't want to scare the horses too much with the first single. I think, that, oh. I think, I think Easy On Me, it's the most... Adele-like song on that whole album. It's the most reliably, recognisably Adele. So mm. I think they're kind of breaking people in gently to an album that it's it's very raw in places as well. The mm. um, she kind of she puts it all out there, um, but it it is actually surprisingly varied. And I think it's one of the things I, I, I took away from it is actually it, it's not all just the ballads and it's not all tear-jerking weepies. There's some um, there's some very upbeat and optimistic material on there. Mm. I mean, it's something for everyone. What do you think she's going to do next? Do you think she's going to start doing collaborations with Beyonce? <laughs> I or, would like to. Or Cardi I, I B? Think, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I don't think she can. I think she needs to make another type of record next time around. I mean, mm. she's not the most prolific. She makes records when she feels she has something to say. So, mm. um, you know, it, it's probably five years' time we'll be listening to 30. I mean, I hope she doesn't leave it that long. I'd like to hear her just do a... She could just do like a low-key jazz album or mm. an album. I mean, I, I loved her first single, Hometown Glory, all those years ago, mm. which is a very simple song. She just wrote herself. Um, I think her played, voice you know. lends itself quite well to those sort of club songs because she's, you know, she has that sort of 
incredible kind of range. Was well, it a, a Ronnie Scott's type yeah, club? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I yeah, I hope she doesn't take to acting like Lady Gaga. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think she's she's very much driven by music. And I mm, think mm. much as all the focus on the record has kind of obviously been on her divorce and mm. the record being about little Angelo and explaining to him why she's in this this mess. But I think um, I think what I took away from it really is I think as a musician, it feels like a record that she really enjoyed making. And yeah. I think... I mean, if you like Adele, I, I think you'll like think the record. Be very pleased with this record. When so, when does it drop? As the young people say. So it it is out um, today, Friday. Good. Well, thanks, Adrian. Lovely Thank to talk much. to you. So it does live up to the hype, then. Yes. <laughs> How Just disappointing! About, yeah. Imogen yeah. and I hate it when that happens because we obviously <laughs> like to bitch about everybody endlessly. <laughs> thanks, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you. That was Adrian Thrills, the Daily Mail's music critic. You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. The trial of Ghislaine Maxwell mm-hmm. is set to begin this month and is going to be quite a roller coaster ride, I think, not least for... <clears throat> Prince Andrew. (laughs) So what lies ahead for her? Uh, We're going to talk to our resident spiritualist, Teresa Chung. Please, okay, tell us about what's going to happen in this trial because we're we're kind of desperate to know. Uncovering, it's all about uncovering what is hidden. And that started in July 2020, really, with the Pluto and Capricorn, you know, unearthing everything. And interestingly, actually, there's an image uncovered at her at that time, um, hugging the Disney character Pluto, which, you know, sometimes astrology has a sense of (laughs) humour. But, you know, it really is about, you know, uncovering all that. But let's look at her. She's born Christmas Day. Is she? Um, Yes, December the 25th. Now, people born on that day do have this a tremendous sense of being special, of course. You know, they share the birth of, of Christ. Mm. So they have that special sense of entitlement, but also of missing out because everybody would, you know, top and tail their Christmas and birthday presents. So there's a sense of entitlement combined with that sense of missing out. And that themes throughout her life, mm. really. Mm. She's, a, again, um, showing... A lot of the more negative aspects of the Capricorn, which is social climbing to the extreme. Um, Hard working is on the plus side of Capricorn and ambitious, but she took that to an extreme. But the trouble is she's a real um, life lesson in what do you do if you're ambitious and wealthy, but you have no talent of your own? Mm. And that's really a salutary lesson. And we also see the Saturn returns working in almost perfect astrological harmony, the first Saturn return, of course, her dad allegedly alleged suicide. Mm-hmm. Second, the other man in her life, who was also an air sign, you know, um, Epstein, also alleged suicide. It's almost a darkly poetic. Her moon's in Leo, which means that she's hungry for fame, royalty to be around those kind of people and getting her identity through that. Um, It's more, her chart is more actually about the power of money rather Mm. than sex. And it's all about legacy, business, money. Yes, you see, I have a, uh, my, my, um, one of my friends has a theory that Mm. Epstein, I mean, I should probably say that this has no basis at all in fact, but a friend of mine has a theory that Epstein 
that Maxwell's money that Epstein was looking after hiding Maxwell's money. I've heard that we, too. Yeah, yeah, it's a sort of you know rumor. I've yeah. no idea if it's That's true. That's what's coming out. And, in the and that, that was why she was that was why she was associated with Epstein was because he had those missing mm. millions, all those mm. mirror, daily mirror missing millions. I mean, because she has so many influential friends, you mm. know, you know, we need to look out, you know, astrology can't predict death or outcomes like that. But what it can say is this is a time of uncovering and it started in July 2020. Mm. And, you know, the influential friends and she is very mercurial. Nobody knows who she really is mm. because she doesn't know who she is. Mm. Everybody who has met her says that she was so charming and basically became what they wanted her to be. Mm. And that's exactly how she learned to operate around her father yeah. and how she was with Epstein. I personally, and this is just an opinion, she had to have known. My concern is that she, you know, she's not as guilty as Epstein, obviously, but she was complicit and saying nothing. You know, it's people who stand by and say nothing that really are just are complicit. Mm. But she is going to become a scapegoat for everybody who wanted revenge mm. for Epstein. And we need to also, if she does have seek, I think... In the chart, it's all about communication, networks, diaries, video. She looked very relaxed, didn't she, when she came to the hearing mm. the first time we saw her after like all this time. Mm. She knows something. Mm. She's got something. Mm. That was a relaxed woman. Mm. Mm. Um, so, do you, what, so, do you, is there any mm. indication of what sort of outcome you will uh, you're pre going to predict from her chart? Well, for her, for her, it's a day of reckoning. For her, mm. it's awful. Um, but it, it depends on what's going on with all the other charts of all the other people around oh, her, see. how right. they are yeah. going to squirm out of this. Right. Thing. It's a time of revelation. The eclipses, eclipses cover up and distract. We've got to be aware there's going to be a lot of distractions now diverting from the real issue. But I think 2022, things are going to come to light and it's going to be shocking. Um, but she is a, a kind of like a cautionary, a morality tale for what happens when you are so relentlessly ambitious mm. and needy and getting your sense of completion outside mm. of yourself and having you no... See, I, I'm you see, know, I think I'm a bit worried about this whole trial because I think that, first of all, uh, it's been so over-reported in America that I think it's going to be very difficult for her to actually have a fair trial. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's no um, longer fair. Nobody um, on that jury can be impartial. No, exactly. And then the other thing I would say is that, he, I, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what she's done. I have no idea. I've never met the woman, but I don't think she should be held responsible for everything that Epstein did. And I think that's the big danger here. And I think well, she she's going to be... we want we want someone well, the world wants someone um, to answer for this. And also all the influential people who were involved want someone as well. To not to. them, obviously. <laughs> that, is, that is worrying. But yeah. she she basically, you know, she's an adult. She put herself up for this. Mm. She's also intelligent. You know, she went to Oxford, I believe. Mm. And she um, did, yeah. I was reading about that interaction there as well. You know, and I'm Cambridge at the similar time and I remember there's a dark undercurrent there as well of, mm. of secret societies and people networking and, you know, the superficial side of life mm. that she would have head over heels been involved in then. And that's how she learned to define herself. Mm. And it's just so sad. Mm. It's so sad that she never found her identity outside of the males mm. in her life. Mm. Oh, yes. Good point. Well, we shall see. Thank you, Teresa. Thank, Thank you. you. Sorry that you had Thank to Thank your... you. Sorry, I feel I've no, I've made it really depressing. No, now. no, it's, no, it's gripping, gripping, gripping. <laughs> no, no, it's very gripping. When do you think it will resolve itself? Do you have any sense of that? Um, mid 2022. Okay. I think it's going to come to light in 2022. 
Mm. There's going to be a lot of eclipsing and obscuring. In 2022, there will be revelations, um, mm. and it will involve people with high-up powers. Um, we'll see. I'm going to keep looking at the astrology, because remember, astrology shifts constantly and see what's happening. But July 2022, there was a massive, like, um, Pluto Cap Capricorn, and that's when she was arrested, and that was in her chart. Right. This massive, massive thing, which also, you know, because, you know, involves the royal family as well, because houses have charts as well. Mm. You know, it, it all links in mm. to this. And it's all about uncovering, mm. uncovering, throwing light into things. We, we, we do not know half of it. That's all I'm saying. No. There's so much to uncover. Uh, well, I, to me, I don't know anything, frankly. No, I don't. I'm looking at the astrology, yes, Sarah and Imogen. Exactly. Good. Well, thank you very much. And we shall speak <laughs> to you next week, I hope, Teresa. Lots of love. Take Bye. care of yourself. Bye-bye. That was Teresa Chung, spiritualist and author of the Encyclopedia of Birthdays. Well, that's fascinating, isn't it? Gripping stuff. Yeah, yeah. gripping stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do, I, think it is, yeah, I think it is going to be a bit of a sort of squeaky bum time. Do you think? Yeah. I, do you think... not think just get out the popcorn and just sit? Yeah, obviously <laughs> the popcorn too. Yes, absolutely that. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at MailPlus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at ImogenEJ. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.